0: No, no coincidences, no mishaps, and no escapes. Today's movies is the final destination franchise. It's movie deja vu.
1: Movie deja vu. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very spooky, very <laughs> morbid, Ooh. very special episode of Movie Deja Vu. Ooh. Ooh. Or should pod- we
1: say Movie Deja Vu? Boo.
0: <laughs> a podcast that answers the question
1: Didn't I see this somewhere?
0: From two movie aficionados. I'm John, and we have to get off this plane. And with me is my co-host, who doesn't believe me, but still leaves anyway.
1: <laughs> Hi.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I was pausing for dramatic effect.
1: Oh, no, I'm the the, the comedic uh, side character. That who dies,
0: like, third.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm the PJ Byrne of this podcast.
0: Oh. <laughs> Don't be him. He was...
1: Yeah, he's kind of gross. He was gross. Don't be him. Yeah. Um...
0: So, clearly, we're doing things a little different today. We're doing a full franchise. That means five films, count it, five. Wah-uh-uh. I will stop sounding like a <laughs> count, but I make
1: no promises. It is very spooky, though.
0: It is. Uh, especially when you watch these movies back to back. You're like, oh, that's a lot of death.
1: Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, cool. So, I'm looking at every object in my room differently now. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Really want to step outside and do anything where I am not 100% in control of my environment. That's cool.
0: If the pandemic doesn't kill you, these <laughs> something will.
1: <laughs> uh, we'll get into it later, but these movies are very nihilistic.
0: Yes. Yes, they
1: are. Progressively more nihilistic.
0: They basically have the same theme, which is, yeah. can you cheat death? Nope. <laughs> why don't we get into the movies themselves we're going to do things a little differently uh we are not going to do the imdb blurb because why repeat ourselves yeah. <laughs> <laughs> five times over right so we
1: and we're the... just gonna say what it basically says anyway <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we have the first final destination film came out in 2000 Oh, twenty 20 years ago man Jeez. Uh yeah. Uh it was the screenplay was written by Glenn Morgan, James Wong, and Jeffrey Riddick. Uh the story is by Jeffrey Riddick, directed by James Wong. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 35% spl- splat rating, which I think is low.
1: Yeah, that's also surprising um because I just while watching these movies, I reread Roger Ebert's uh, review of that one, and he was very positive on it. Roger Ebert, (laughs) he was
0: very positive about a horror movie?
1: Yeah, he gave it a three out of four stars. He really liked it, and especially he does not like, he he calls Slasher movie, well, he called, uh slasher movies dead teenager movies. Um and he considered this a dead teenager movie and he was like, This is this and like Scream are like the best he also really liked Scream. Like best Ooh. of the bunch. He he likes the ones that are a little more self aware. Well this we'll
0: get we'll get we'll we'll talk more. <laughs> yeah. This one, uh the metacritic for this one is thirty six out of a hundred, which again, very, very low.
1: Yeah. That's surprising to me for the first one at least I like the other ones I'm fine with people giving them low scores so I'm like yeah you either like it or you hate it <laughs> but would, this this I one's would, genuinely quite good this
0: one I would give it a score in like the 15s range and call it acceptable yeah
1: I, I would also accept that but 30s is low for this particular entry at least yeah all right well moving right along uh, 2003 three three years later. I can talk. We get Final Destination 2. Greenplay by J. Mackie Gruber and Eric Bress. Story by J. Mackie Gruber. I'm so sorry if I am saying that wrong, by the way.
0: That's fine. We don't we don't <laughs> know English here.
1: No. Um, Eric Bress and Jeffrey Riddick. Reddick? Reddick. Uh,
0: Reddick? Reddick, sure. <laughs> like Reddit, I think, but.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, based on the characters by Jeffrey Riddick. It was directed by David R. Ellis. It has a 48% splat on Rotten Tomatoes and 38% on Metascore, or Metacritic. That's weird to me that this was higher on Rotten Tomatoes than the right? first one. It's just odd.
0: I think it's also because the first one was so ahead of its time that nobody knew Maybe. Like, we're looking at it 20 years later going, oh, that was really, and knowing all the lexicon of these.
1: Yeah, that's true. And it also came out at a time when there were a lot of these slasher movies coming out all at once. So it probably didn't stand out as much, maybe, mm-hmm. if you were watching all, like, how, or, I Know What You Did Last Summer and Urban Legend and all and those.
0: Scream and all the, like, right. yeah, Scream 3, like, came out a few years before the first one. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, and Speaking of three, Final (laughs) Destination 3 came out in 2006, so three years later. I'm sensing a trend here. (laughs) It's written by our good friends Glenn Morgan and James Wong again, based on the characters by Jeffrey Reddick. James Wong directed again. Now this is where I'm confused. (laughs) (laughs) Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 43% splat rating, and Metacritic gave it a 41 out of 100. How does this one score higher than the first one?
1: I really don't know. I, there is one element to this movie that's great, and it's Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Otherwise, this is probably my second least favorite of them. I don't know. It's just weird to me. Maybe people liked the carnival. <laughs>
0: Don't give me that. Do not. (laughs) Do not. How dare you, lady.
1: Oh, and to be fair, the tanning scene is probably one of the better sequences in the whole franchise. We'll get to that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But yes, I am with you. I don't understand how this one did better than the first one. Right. But moving right along, we get, in 2009, the final destination...
0: Ooh, I wonder if it's the last one.
1: <laughs> uh, written by Eric Brest based on characters by Jeffrey Reddick. Directed by David R. Ellis, who did Final Destination 2.
0: And Eric Brest did too, as well.
1: Yes, he did. You're right. And this one, totally get it. Rotten Tomatoes score, 29% splat. Yep.
0: <laughs> accurate.
1: Right where it should be. And uh, Metacritic Metascore of 30, sure.
0: Yeah, accurate. <laughs> and then you have final destination five that came out in 2011 it's breaking the three-year cycle and i don't Mm. like it i Mm. did like this movie though i do Uh,
1: like this movie
0: it's written by eric oh shit what did i get myself this one to say
1: i think it's heiserer
0: (laughs) heiserer eric heiserer (laughs) based on characters by jeffrey reddick and it's directed by Stephen quayle quayle like the bird? Is I that think how so. I want to say it? Yeah. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 62%. No no split or fresh or whatever, just a 62% tomato. <laughs> and then Metacritic gave it a 50 out of 100. Now, deservedly so. And this is where we're going to um, give you a giant spoiler alert rating. <laughs> a spoiler alert, because we're going to spoil the shit out of these movies. Yes. So if you have not seen them at yeah. all... Stop right here. Watch at least the first one. But for real, turn the podcast off now. I'll play some music so you can come back to it whenever you watch those movies. There is someone walking behind you.
1: Turn around, look at me.
0: And welcome back. Yeah. And then maybe jump to the fifth one.
1: Well, because the fifth one, um, I, I mean, I think it is one of the better ones throughout the film anyway. It just kind of hits the tone really well. And um, I ge- I think this one genuinely has me the most tense during most of the death scenes, even though the deaths themselves end up pretty looney tunes Jokey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but But the scenes building up to them are done really well. But what's really kind of, amazingly clever about this movie and i'm saying that because i did not see this coming when i first saw it is that it's a stealth prequel to the whole franchise
0: that's why we spoiled it that's why i gave you the spoiler alert so hopefully you stopped it before shady mentioned it
1: (laughs) well you said stop and watch
0: (laughs) i did i did and hopefully they listened because if not viewer beware you're in for a spoiler (laughs) 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 okay so, Shady, yeah. why don't we get into the meat and potatoes? I've seen it rain and fire in the sky. The shadow from the starlight is softer in a lullaby. Well, I put out my own personal plot.
1: Okay, go for I'm it. And gonna,
0: I'm going to try and sound as poetic as you do. And then we can go through and break down point by point like how they're different. That's right. a, that's how I think we should start our franchise episodes.
1: Okay. Um, this is a good franchise for that, too, because yeah, they are the same, but each one adds a new little twist.
0: And like I said, watch the first one first. I, I mean, if you if you listen to Shady get spoiling it and you still <laughs> haven't stopped it, definitely watch the first movie and just appreciate it for how brilliant it was. And I mean...
1: If, we could just redo the spoiler alert and I could No, that part. Out. Okay.
0: No, they, they should learn. They need to learn how to listen. <laughs> okay. um, so you start the movie off where a person mm-hmm. has a vision about a massive accident and they save a group of people from dying. Mm-hmm. So like you have this big explosion of a scene, if you will, it's yeah, not necessarily the, an explosion.
1: Yeah. There's some sort of massive disaster
0: that happens and the protagonist saves a group of people accidentally. Then you have a Rube Goldberg style first death scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then after that, the survivors start dying one by one. At some point, someone explains the rules that the survivors will die in a specific order Mm -hmm. uh the protagonist notices some clues to help prevent some deaths but the person dies anyway
1: right the the, the clues come way too late
0: (laughs) or they're way too late and then at the end the main protagonist has two other survivors quote-unquote win usually there's a plot twist though
1: yeah yeah, I didn't even pick up on there's always two extra survivors yep. in the final sequence. I didn't even think of that.
0: So why don't we break it down as best as we could. Yeah. Um, so you have a main protagonist. It's great that they gender swapped them in a way. Yeah.
1: It's but not a final girl in the sense that every, almost every slasher movie, it's a girl who is the main protagonist. And in this one, it's actually three of the five of them. It's a boy.
0: Right. Would you even go so far as to call this a slasher movie? Because there's no, like,
1: it's, person in a mask. Right. It, uh, yeah. Um, it's structured the same way, except that the, the really scary part is that there is no actual person to fight against. But it's structured in the same way where it's a, it's a dwindling party.
0: A dwindling party horror movie.
1: Yes.
0: That's what this Uh, movie is. That's what these movies are.
1: I mean, I guess it's like The Mummy's Hand more than it's like Halloween.
0: Fair. (laughs) Uh, So in the first movie, you have Alex, played by Devin Sawa. Uh, (gasps) I know, right?
1: I am a child of the 90s who is attracted to some males. And therefore, <laughs> and therefore, I'm attracted to Devon Sawa,
0: <laughs> where he has uh, he has a vision of the plane crashing that they're on going to France, yeah, um, which you can speculate was inspired by the TWA Flight 800, because mm-hmm. that like just happened years before this movie came out.
1: Right. So, um, it it also conveniently dates this movie immediately before 9 11.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this this movie plays out in a very different way if it came out in 2002 as opposed to 2000
0: yes <laughs> well speaking of which in 2003 you know post 9-11 you have kimberly right uh, is our final person
1: right aj cook
0: and then you have a highway pile up with a truck that has logs on it Ugh. that's the, premon- the the initial premonition Wendy in number three, played by your girl crush.
1: Oh, my God. I love her so much.
0: Mary Elizabeth Weinstead. She's She's so hot. (laughs) She's the roller coaster.
1: Is it more an accident or a crash? How
0: would you define it?
1: Uh, I guess. Disaster? (laughs) Malfunction that leads to a crash. There you go. Like the, it's something with like the hydraulics like give out and also the track itself falls apart.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, and then there's Nick in the fourth movie. Who's he played by? What's
1: Bobby Campo.
0: Thank you. Who uh,
1: I just realized this time around. I was like, oh, that's the teacher from the Scream TV series.
0: Shut up.
1: Yeah, that's the teacher who has the affair with one of the the popular girl.
0: Shut up. He yeah. eats well. Um, so they're at a pseudo nascar race yes venue though they never say nascar because i think of copyright right uh and he sees a crash in the race that then leads to the arena to crumble
1: right well i actually did look up that this may be inspired by a similar instance that happened decades before where there was some sort of stadium oh, no. like that that crumbled and killed a few people no no yeah so oh, no. Uh, i'm pretty sure it, like this was decades ago i'm pretty sure there are safety checks involved now that that would not happen again
0: god i hope there are safety checks
1: <laughs> i think like that inspired certain safety checks
0: and then you have in final destination five sam played by nicholas diagosto i saying his name right diagosto DeCoster, thank you. He has a vision of a bridge collapsing while Mm -hmm. him and his company go on like a company retreat.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so him and some of his coworkers make it off of the bus. Well, that's... Okay, I'll wait until we're ready to get deeper into it to bring that up.
0: Um, I want to jump ahead to where I mentioned the Someone Explains the Rules because mm-hmm. that's really where the differences happen mm-hmm. um devon sawa realized i'm not gonna i'm gonna jump around characters and actor names and i'm not <laughs> sorry about it because <laughs> my podcast my rules right um,
1: no i'm just gonna call him the star of my tiger beat dreams Devin sawa
0: <laughs> Ooh, that's a lengthy title <laughs> uh, he
1: deserves it
0: Devin uh, Dev sawa realizes the path of the explosion on the plane, based on where they're sitting, is right. the order and where they're going to die.
1: Right. So he has to figure out the seating plan.
0: Which is interesting because, you know, it's wrong at first. Because somebody switched seats. Switched seats. And they realized that late. Was that, was that Sean William Scott switched seats? Or was that Todd? Todd switched seats. Yes. So he didn't grasp that at first.
1: Right. And that one's also interesting because he had to rely on the seating plan and on like this really convoluted thing of like theory on how the explosion even worked because obviously an explosion happened so fast that he can't fully recall who actually died first in his premonition. Yeah, he had to
0: like do some deep digging.
1: Right. In, 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 in the other movies, it's a little bit, especially the last two it's a little bit easier because our main character can remember the order that people died
0: oh yeah let's jump to that real quick because they're this they are the same the order that they died in the premonition is the order that they died however in four there's still a little conflict because you have the cowboy and
1: he forgot right right. they didn't realize that he actually survived the real crash they didn't realize he was another survivor because he's been in a coma
0: And there's also that one point with Janet, nope, yep, yep, Janet and Hunt, Mm -hmm. um, the asshole. (laughs) They (laughs) die at the same time, so he's like, I don't know who died first.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's kind of, I guess technically one of them had to have bled out faster, but how do you know that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You have the reverse in the second one. Yeah. This is really interesting. yeah because it's reverse order that they die in the premonition and then but it depends on who they were affiliated with in the Mm -hmm. first movie so this one is like the true sequel right because they not only do you have the return of clear rivers Mm -hmm. um and the mention of like how alex died but you have more interwoven why these people
1: Right, right. It turns out that these particular survivors, this group of survivors, they all had previously already cheated death because of the survivors from the first movie, their death. So, for example, one of the uh, characters in the first movie gets hit by a bus, and it turns out one of the characters in the second movie was on that bus, and because of that was late to something where she would have probably died in an accident.
0: Wait, let, let me uh notes i took notes on this <laughs> i called it uh cat's van confessionals
1: okay um
0: eugene transferred teaching jobs uh,
1: right because the teacher died so he had to sub uh,
0: and he would have been stabbed if he didn't leave and he replaced val mrs lewis right the teacher in the first movie Burke responds to a train wreck alone and his partner died in a shootout. And that train wreck was Sean William Scott's character, mm-hmm. Billy Hitchcock cat would have died in a B and B, but she was the one on the bus that smeared, sm- splattered some girl, quote unquote, mm-hmm. uh,
1: Oh, right. It was the B&B because there was a gas leak. There was
0: a gas leak. Worry should have died in a theater in Paris, uh, which is the ending of the first movie. Kim got caught up watching a news report about a kid who got strangled in a hut, in a tub. Mm-hmm. So she's she is related to the first person. Yes. And then um, they realize that death is trying to tie... Basically what I'm saying is death is tying up loose ends. Right. Because these people should have died. and You don't know how the other characters because they're dead already at this point (laughs) but you assume
1: right there must have been something
0: similar like tim may have may have been supposed to go on the trip or something
1: or right or even uh, you know in the fifth movie there's a suggestion that i mean there's not a suggestion they flat out say things like this had happened before so we don't even know what other kinds of disasters people had survived only to end up dead later
0: Ah. Uh, I am so happy that they leave it ambiguous for yeah. more, because I love these movies, personally. Uh, They're very the third creative. One. Except for the third one. That's
1: the fourth one, one.
0: Well, the third one, it's where they were sitting on the roller coaster is their way to die.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> that one was a... that. This movie was a little... Two on the nose, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. Like I said before, there's an element in the third movie that's great. There's one sequence that's particularly great. And I feel similarly about the fourth movie where there's one performance that I love, Michael T. Williams, as the security guard. Mm. He, I think, gives a wonderful performance. I love his character. And um, some of the death scenes I don't think are as suspenseful as the other ones, but like they're funnier entertaining in a different way but yeah three and four kind of don't have the same
0: because one and five i couldn't remember they weren't really that on the nose with the clues right
1: right they were pretty vague and that's part of why um that's part of why it was a struggle for them to try to save anyone because right they couldn't figure out what it actually meant or, you know, five, I think does a great job of setting up like 12 different ways that a character could die in this situation. And then you have to watch all of those things come together to like come up with like something pretty ridiculous. Like the gym, the gymnastic scene, you see the loose bar, you see the nail on the, on the balance beam, you see the, the, the electric cord in the puddle and all of those elements come together so that this character ends up breaking her spine. Oh,
0: that's why I called it the (laughs) Rube Goldberg style. Right. Because you have her. Then you have, in the third one, the tanning beds with Ashley and Ashlyn, where Ah. they set a cup on a bench, and underneath it is the, oh, fuck, is, like, the electrical panel.
1: Yeah. tanning
0: beds. That then the cup has condensation that drips off of it and it shorts that and then right. they get stuck. Well, so meanwhile,
1: bad. there's like this shelf that falls so falls they can Yeah. It, it locks them into their tanning beds. It's just <sighs> so
0: interesting. I laugh at horror movies all the time. That one scene, I cannot watch it. Yeah. Some, it's something... I don't go tanning. I don't... I, I don't like tanning. But there's something <laughs> about that one scene... Yeah.
1: I I think it's just being trapped.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, It's the, it's the trapped and it's the being set on fire. Mm, Yeah. And I'm with you. I don't tan. I never, it does. It would do nothing for me to go tanning.
0: (laughs) Shady and I are two (laughs) pasty white Irish people. So.
1: And, uh, it's just better if we stay that way. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think that's part of why the third one is also a little lower for me than the others, because in each of them, there is like one scene where I genuinely am like, well, that's something I'll never feel comfortable doing again. The third one, I'm like, none of them were scary except the tanning bed and the tanning bed. I would never do anyway. Right. Like,
0: like they have the, they they have the pictures and you have Wendy and Kevin who are running around being like, don't die. Oh no, you're dead. (laughs) <laughs> um, and then you in the fourth one, there's that dream montage that happens before every death scene that Nick notices.
1: Yeah, and,
0: and that last one was the more fascinating one because it's more like a second massive premonition yeah. that happens. You know, with the escalator shorting, which that one's a little little something something too but I'm more with the tanning bed because it's quote unquote real in the universe. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And then I noticed the second one, there's that whole scene that they have in, that the current survivors have in, uh, officer Burke's apartment.
1: Yeah. Where
0: Rory sees a guy with hook hands.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So you have, that's when they introduce the fact that others can see the clues.
1: Yeah, do we think that's because these characters have already cheated death twice that they get some of the premonition powers, too? I think they were trying to just... They are just trying to expand it, build Expand
0: on it. it more. Okay. Because uh, Kimberly is the one that's very sensitive to the powers, obviously. Right, right. Because uh, she has, like, the vision of the pigeons that then, that's how yeah. Tim dies. <laughs> Um, she has another one too, I think. But, like, Nick in the fourth one, he cheats death only once. Right. Uh, well, one big time. Right. Um, do you want to talk more about death since we're on this topic?
1: <laughs> sure. I mean, I can just talk about the ones that traumatized me and, like, changed my well, everyday life.
0: <laughs> well, I noticed that in four of the movies... Mm-hmm. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. In four of the movies, there were other Rube Goldberg-style deaths. Yes. You have Mrs. Luton,
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: you have the Cat and Rory scene, so that's two for the price of one. Erin mm. um, in number three, which is the Home Depot-style.
1: Yeah, death. the nail gun.
0: Uh-huh. And then the mechanic, whose name is Andy, mm-hmm. number four. And I couldn't really think of one for number five.
1: Um, number five, I would argue it's almost all of them uh, because you've got the gymnastics, you've got the, the massage scene, which again, sets up different ways that he could end up dead.
0: I'm going to argue that they are red herring deaths. Okay. Because each of the movies have set up a way that a character may die.
1: Right. And then they, they avoid it and something else kills them. Right.
0: Take for but- instance, Milf in number four <laughs> that's right. her that's her name,
1: yeah,
0: and I'm pissed about it but <laughs> milf her real the character's real name is Samantha Lane. you find this out later, uh but they set up this entire elaborate thing that it's uh, in the hair salon, and then it turns out her little shit of sons caused her death by throwing stones in a in a lawnmower's path
1: yeah,
0: and that 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 stone goes through her eye. <laughs> and that's another thing, too. In all five movies, and I noticed this, right, a, a character directly affects a survivor's death. And so in four, not only is it MILF, I blame the physical therapist for the cowboy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: yeah,
1: that's, uh, that was negligence.
0: I also wrote down that for number three, almost all the characters set themselves up to die. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, that's true.
0: Um,
1: well, also, you get a couple of times somebody gets run over by a vehicle, so the driver killed them.
0: The driver. Well, I meant more so like, <laughs> take for instance two. Okay, with Nora. Okay. If Clear didn't hit the elevator button to go back up, right? Nora could have survived. <laughs> She wouldn't have been decapitated. Let's put decapitated in that respect. Right. I mean, she was already kind of... The elevator doors could have stayed open longer. Right. um, Or the guy with the hook... That's so stupid. (laughs) That was such a stupid death.
1: Yeah.
0: But he could have, I don't know, left the elevator or something.
1: Right. Um but going back to the Rube Goldberg thing, I would argue in Final Destination 5, Olivia's death is a Rube Goldberg thing. It's not a red herring. It's it's There are red herrings thrown in, but it's... Oh. So the water goes into the electrical panel, similar to the tanning scene, which causes the LASIK machine to go haywire. Um, and then that causes her to drop the teddy bear, and then she slips on the eye of the teddy bear and falls out the window.
0: Thank you. I could... But but it's
1: also uh, red herring, like you said, because you think the laser is going to kill her.
0: But it's not.
1: Right. Although I did like, ooh, okay. So in general, um, the the premonition scenes are always terrifying. Um, But I did like this detail in Final Destination 5, where in the premonition, Olivia falls into the water and then a car falls on top of her and she dies. In her actual death, she falls on top of a car. Like they, they did like cool like they'll throw in cool details like that from now.
0: Even with Isaac then. too, he's smashed to the window and then he falls off the the acupuncture table and all those things yeah, get the smashed needles. into him.
1: Yeah.
0: Um okay. So we're let, let's put it let, let let's stop talking about death for a hot second. <laughs> okay. And let's talk about toxic masculinity. Yay! It's everyone's favorite topic.
1: All of these movies, there's more male victims than female victims, correct? I didn't... I, if not, they're tied. Right.
0: The... the I don't think close there's... enough.
1: Right. I think the third one, it might be even.
0: I but think the, in the fourth one, it's more male than female.
1: The fourth uh, one, the fifth one, and the first one, it's definitely more men than... Women, yes. who die. The and then I, I think
0: second one seems closer.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, hold on. You have. <laughs> I'm looking at my notes, and this is how I wrote them down before I knew their names: Mustang guy, pre- pregnant lady does not exist, female executive, speeding motorcycle man, mother and son, cop, cokehead, and Kimberly and Company. So that one seems a little more male heavy.
1: Yeah.
0: They're closer in well, numbers, but... And, and clear. And clear then shows up right. But then you but then you have... Um, crap, what's his name? Brian at the end.
1: Right, right. Um,
0: yeah. So they're still... They're closer. And then in five, four, three... Three, I know numbers. <laughs> Ashley, Ashlyn, Frankie, Lewis, Ian, Aaron... Um... Perry. Huh?
1: Perry, the little sister's friend.
0: She had a name? Yeah. (laughs) Perry, this... (laughs) Perry, Julie, uh, Wendy, Wendy and Kevin. Aha. So, there's more women in the third one.
1: Okay, so that one's the outlier. In the rest of them, there are more men than women who die.
0: Which is very interesting, even though I still don't like three. I don't like three because of the story. The... The yeah, actors were fine.
1: Yeah, no, I actually think the acting across all of the movies pretty strong. I think every now and then you get, like, a wonk.
0: Yes. But, but like, I, you have, the fourth one is the one that you really don't have that toxic masculine man person. Hunt is just an asshole.
1: Right, yeah, he's just, he's, he's like a douchey prep school bro
0: (laughs) he's not like lewis and three
1: right he's not asserting his masculinity he's just selfish
0: he's and an asshole right um five is the one that i'm also have a little question about that okay uh i don't know which one is more peter or isaac Hmm. they both have they both check certain boxes to be toxic masculinity but like they're not like a lewis Right. Or a Eugene or a Carter.
1: I think they're different flavors of it. Like, I think they just represent oh. different flavors. And also, like, Peter devolves into it. That's his character development. He, like, loses it. He um, becomes
0: the antagonist, really. Right.
1: Yeah, he becomes the villain in what seems to, what you would think is the final main sequence. Uh huh. <laughs> um, the final major sequence. Um, but PJ Burns' character, Isaac, he's just, like, sleazy the whole time. Yeah. Like, he's just a sleaze, he's a womanizer, he's, and, you know, how much of it is him just, like, trying to make himself feel better, but that's why it's toxic.
0: And then we have, we have a recurring character, or at least a recurring actor in all, in four of them. Four, yeah. Um, besides Allie Larder, she's the, she's the next one who's, Mm -hmm. who was in two of them. But you have Tony Todd was in four of them, playing yep. the same character in three, in the first, second, and fifth movies. Yeah, and the he coroner. Was the, the voice of the Devil's Flight Ride, which is the roller coaster in three.
1: Yeah, and I love his uh, his character, the coroner. His name, Bloodworth. Great, so great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so on the nose.
1: Like- uh-huh. But, like, it's also, what's this guy's deal? Does he work with death? Is he, does he just know about death because he's a coroner? Like, how, what's his deal? But remember, the risk of cheating the plan, of disrespecting the design, could incite a fury that could terrorize even the Reaper.
0: And you don't even want to fuck with that. Daddy. Or is he Candyman pretending to be a coroner?
1: It, does this take place in the Candyman universe? We need to know.
0: Is this a crossover? Can it be a crossover? Should it be a crossover? No, it shouldn't.
1: I'm going to say be. it shouldn't be.
0: <laughs> it shouldn't. But could it? <laughs>
1: it could. <laughs> um, I just Candy. thought of another one. Another... Yeah. Toxically masculine character in Final Destination Five, Roy, the uh, the factory the, or the uh, warehouse worker, who's always uh oh the gone, one that the one um, that Nathan accidentally kills.
0: Speaking of that, <laughs> there are add-on rules. I want to say
1: yeah, they add a, a twist or they reveal something that did not get revealed in an earlier movie.
0: And that's even in the first movie. They naturally find out you can skip a person, yeah, by saving them from their situation, i.e., Carter. Right. Um, and then later on, Alex saves Clear.
1: He saves Clear by risking his dying. own. Right. He risks his own life and just happens to survive. Yeah. Which, theoretically, you could survive what happened to him, so I'm not going to question it too much.
0: So then you have the second one. Tony Todd says new life can defeat death. They stumble upon it and they think <laughs> that. Oh, they, what's her name?
1: Yeah. The um, pregnant lady. Yeah, if she has her baby, they think that that will save them. Which I'm going to. Qu- I just questioned that logic there because they're like, that's giving death a new life. Um, how? But then, <laughs> how does that balance the
0: book? <laughs> but then Kimberly realizes, oh wait, Pregnant Lady didn't die in the pileup. So, right. I just want to
1: yeah. add in real quick, the Pregnant Lady is played by Justina Machado. I'm only mentioning that because she's like famous now and this was a very early role for her. She's uh, the star of One Day at a Time. The Ooh,
0: remake. the remake.
1: Yeah. Yeah, she's the the mom.
0: So basically, they have in all five of them, you could skip a person by saving them. Right. Um, And then in the third one, they introduce the idea that if you just kill the last person, you could potentially save all the others.
1: Right, that it would just skip everyone.
0: Right. And then in the fifth one, Tony Todd mentions that you could steal someone's life by killing them.
1: Right. If you kill someone, you have given death a life to balance the books, and you get their remaining days.
0: But that doesn't work out for them because they still no.
1: <laughs> because it turns out death is an asshole
0: and death will kill you even m- harder yeah. in that respect
1: that's part of what's terrifying about these movies is that every time you cheat death you're just making your inevitable your inevitable death that much more violent and horrifying <laughs> <laughs> Like, in almost all of them, they would have been better off if they just stayed with that initial disaster.
0: (laughs) So you just have to listen for the clues, i.e. a death song.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Where if you hear John Denver's Rocky Mountain High, just fucking run. (laughs) Just run. Yep. Or turn around, look at me, which is in the third one. That song's Mm -hmm. even creepier. And then the fifth one, Dust in the Wind. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) they whoever was the song supervisors for these movies like good job yeah unless it was the writer that wanted these specific songs right then good job good job somebody i don't know who to pat on the back i'm just gonna (laughs) pat everyone so yeah
1: good job team um also good job to i really loved the montage that ends the fifth movie they, where they do a whole big montage set to ACDCs, if you want blood, of every death in the whole franchise. And yeah. it's, it's a, such a cool way to end It's fun with that movie because that one's the bleakest, I'm going to say. That one is the most nihilistic.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting that when you rewatch it, you're like, oh, so they're basically saying because it's the prequel this is the domino effect that this prequel has
1: given. The the first and second movie would not have happened. And then you
0: see clips from third and fourth. I called it all-star deaths.
1: Okay, that works. (laughs)
0: Uh, And then also there's Tommy Lee's version of Love Train at the end of three. (laughs) If you want to talk credit sequence, hearing that you're just like, somebody had a good time.
1: Yeah. Um, I do wanna also mention, again in the tanning scene, uh they're listening to Love Roller Coaster. The star, Which is a very I fun know. song. Uh but if you just survived a roller coaster accident that killed a bunch of your classmates off, I don't know that I would want to hear the word roller coaster for a while. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> like
1: even for as vapid as those characters are, they were still grieving.
0: So <laughs> we spend a lot of time on similarities. Yeah. Uh, do you have any like differences that you want to mention? Um, that you want to call out?
1: Yeah. Well, and this isn't the same. I mean, this varies from movie to movie, but the age of the character is roughly the same, where it's senior high schooler, so seventeen, yeah. eighteen, through early twenties. But it does still change. In the first movie and the third movie, it's all groups of high schoolers. Both of them are groups of high schoolers. In the first movie, there is a teacher thrown in. But it's mostly you're watching high schoolers. Right. Which, uh, which is why Roger Ebert called it a dead teenager movie.
0: And then in um, the fifth one, that's the one where they're all like 20, 30-something-year-olds.
1: Right. Um, at, well, at, with the exception of David Kechner's character, who's around 40,
0: And I think Candace is supposed to be 19.
1: Yes, Candace is still in college. She's the intern at their company. So she's definitely
0: Um, the youngest.
1: Right. So
0: if all these people are like 30-somethings.
1: Right. Um, Which even, like I would say, like Nick D'Agosto and Emma Bell's characters are maybe a little bit younger because he's still trying to like figure out his like career.
0: I mean, I'm 32 and I'm still trying to figure out my life.
1: Okay, fair, fair, but so. also we're millennials. Because same for me too. But we're millennials in 2020. <laughs> this supposedly takes place in 2000. So they're Gen Xers. They should have their shit together.
0: <laughs> well, they haven't. They haven't lived the life we've lived yet.
1: They don't. They're not living in our economy. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And um, political
0: climate. Oh,
1: right. They're, too real. Too real. <laughs> they're living in a very robust economy. Let's just put it that way. Um, but like, so yeah, I'd say like most of them between the age of like maybe 23 to 33, except for Candace and David Peckner, And then in the f- second movie, the AJ cooks. Pre- yeah. Kimberly, Kimberly is supposed to be a college student. But then, obviously, on top of that, you've got a businesswoman, you've got a teacher, you've got a cop, you've got a mother and and a son, which the son was supposed to be much younger than they ended up making him.
0: Yep. Which makes sense when you rewatch it and you're like... He
1: acts like a little kid.
0: He is 15?
1: He looks 14 or 15 to me. He acts like an eight-year-old. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) He is 15 in the movie. The okay. character's 15. Okay. I don't know how long the actor is. But, like, your mom is tucking you in at bed? Yeah.
1: Like, oh, you're, you're running around chasing pigeons like that? Pigeons! <laughs> um, he acts like a child, and he's really a teenager. So that's weird. Um, but, yeah, so the ages range a lot more. And that. that one probably has the most differences in ages between the characters, I would say.
0: Yeah, because even in the fourth one, they're still, they're still they're, the same as five.
1: Right. They're, they're them and
0: five are about the same.
1: Right. I mean, Michael T. Williams is a bit older. Um, Save and, for
0: some characters, but like, yeah.
1: Right. But they're all definitely adults. I, definitely all of them are over the age of 18.
0: Yeah, because isn't the core, the four friends...
1: Yeah. The, they're like
0: in grad school or some of, some of them are in grad school.
1: I think they're in grad school. I mean, uh, Bobby Campo and um, I can't think of the actress who plays his girlfriend. They Lori are living, is the
0: character name.
1: Lori. There you go. Thank you. Um, they're living in an apartment together.
0: Yeah. So the, clearly they're probably around 25, they're, 26.
1: Yeah. They're, they're definitely over 18. And all of the other characters, maybe up to 40, but like a very young 40. <laughs> right. And then Michael T. Williams is the one who's older and ugh, what a sad, sad story for that character.
0: <laughs> Can I say something about Four? Or are yeah, you, do you have more to talk about with character, with the ages?
1: No more on the ages. I was going to talk about the relationships.
0: Okay, with Four, this is the only movie where the characters are called by their characteristics. So you have mm-hmm. MILF, racist, cowboy, when really, if you zoom in or pause it at a certain point or really listen to the newscast that's happening, they tell you their name. Right. And I have pictures of that. And I'm going to post it on our socials <laughs> because people need to know their names.
1: Yeah. I know I know that's a big pet peeve of yours. That's not something that's ever bothered me, a character not having an actual name. I kind of love it for this movie only because this type of movie, I'm not paying attention to what they're calling characters anyway, except for the core four. So when they right. roll the credits, if they had Samantha in there, I'd be like, who the fuck is that? But they have Milf in there, and I'm like, I know who she is. Well, Racist, I know who that is. Motorhead, I know who that is.
0: That's an old rule, though, that I was, I was told that okay. victims in horror, in horror movies, especially mm-hmm. slashers, have to be named. Because if you want to go back to Jaws... Who's the first victim? Her name Christine. is Chrissy. They make it a point to say her name. So like... right?
1: But that's, that's to engender empathy for the character in you. And I really don't think the goal of final destination, the final destination was to have empathy for those characters. Oh, I have
0: no empathy for any of them.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, for... for
0: Except for the cowboy. I felt bad for him.
1: I did feel bad for him. That was a rough way to go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will say the fourth one, for all of its faults, it is my least favorite of the five, um, despite having Michael T. Williams, um, but it does have the most satisfying death, which is The Racist. Yeah,
0: and he's the Rube Goldberg of it.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: if you don't count The Mechanic's wife, girlfriend. Yes. Because even though technically she's the first survivor to die, yeah. if you don't count her, The Racist is the one that I call the first Rube Goldberg-style death scene.
1: Yeah, yeah. I almost don't like how unsubtle he is with the racism, but this is not a subtle movie, so why would I care? Um, he's, like, and literally lighting a cross on fire on Michael T. Williams' front lawn.
0: That's the thing, too. With three and four, mm-hmm. not so much the other ones, mm-hmm. I don't think. I'm not, Hot take. My opinion, I could be wrong. More so with three and four, they turn into like the stupid 80s character types.
1: Yeah. Well, that's part of why the first one is so great. And there's so much empathy, even for the character you should hate the most, which is Carter. You still feel so much for him.
0: Right. Like the the second one, they start toying with that a little bit. Right. But it's not until the third one where they're like, you're the sluts in high school. You're You're the jock you're the this you're the, right. the and then the fourth one like i said they're right. the archetype <laughs> and then the fifth um, one
1: it's not that bad i mean so olivia and isaac are pretty broad stereotypes um candace doesn't live long enough to really have a whole lot of development but she's still a very sympathetic character she's so- just like the cute one david Kechner, who plays the boss um he plays a lot of very sleazy characters. That's, like, what he's typecast as all the time.
0: Right, so you're, like, where does, where does the actor end the character
1: <laughs> Right. <laughs> At but this he's point. A, right. But in this movie, he actually, he's a very fair-minded boss. He's, like, you know...
0: Kind of an idiot, too. But, like, yeah, not... Yeah,
1: no, he, he's not, like, you know, a genius or anything. But, like, you don't hate him. He's not the sleazeball. He forgets about Isaac all the time but who wouldn't that's
0: a that's a running <laughs> joke though that, <laughs> right that's that's brilliant he's not right. like the the Bimbet's in number three where right. they're so vapid yeah. whatever or
1: even I did think this is funny because David Koechner had a recurring role on the show The Office which is about an office at a paper company and in this movie they work at an office at a paper company but his character in The Office is the sleazeball and in this movie he's just sort of he's A little bit dopey. He's just, you know, trying to relate to his employees and, like, extend a a helping hand to them in their time of grief. (laughs) And I I do, like, uh, he gets the quickest death out of all of them, at least for the bulk of the movie, until the very end. The very, very end.
0: In that specific movie, you mean, or in the franchise?
1: In this specific movie. Yeah, I guess technically yeah, Nathan's ultimate death is quicker, but his is like he just quickly gets a, a, a wrench shoved into his eye sockets yeah. at like full speed. Um, so in a way, I I'm kind of happy that he did not have to have one of the long, prolonged deaths that are so terrifying to me.
0: But Todd's right, <laughs> or Mrs. Um, Luton, Mrs. Luton Moore
1: yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't scare it doesn't seem plausible enough to scare me in that way it scares me watching it because the whole time i'm just like screaming at her to run away
0: <laughs> a lot of the stuff they present in that one seems realistic not yeah. in the course of the events though right yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, uh,
1: i but- interrupted
0: you earlier you wanted to talk about character
1: relationships yeah well i was just gonna say this is something that um part of why i like the first one and the fifth one so much is that the people who die in the disaster or at least some of the people who die in the disaster are people who the survivors know personally it's their classmates and their co-workers also in the third one but the third one deals with this a little bit less the so, second
0: one kind
1: of yeah i mean for kimberly no
0: wait no they were, they were supposed to die first. Kimberly was supposed to die first with them. Right. And if, right. They, if she didn't get out of the car, she would mm-hmm. have died with them.
1: Exactly. Um, but she doesn't know the other, all of the other people who died in the eventual pileup.
0: Right. Neither do any of the other people.
1: Right. They're all strangers. Um, right. But so in the first and fifth one, there's a lot of dealing with the actual grief of losing people which you almost never get to see that in slasher movies or in horror movies with a similar sort of formula. Right. Where they actually give the characters space to be upset and to have survivor's guilt and to, you, you're seeing people actually deal with the stages of grief. Um, and that's really interesting. And it adds a lot of weight to this. And it sort of strengthens the fact that they are dealing with fate. They call it fate. It could be, you know, some sort of godlike force. Um, could it be could the Grim be,
0: Reaper. Could right. Be,
1: yeah. But it's some sort of force that they cannot control. And that adds so much more weight to it than if they were just being chased by Jason Voorhees.
0: Yes. And then even in the third one, they do set up that grief, mm-hmm. at least, because mm-hmm. it's supposed to be, there's time has passed between the roller coaster. And Ashley and Ashlyn's death. Mm-hmm. I forget. Is it like a week or three weeks? Something like that.
1: It's un- like they've had enough time to like have memorials and stuff. And you
0: you see the memorial posters and everything. Um,
1: and that's part of why Mary Elizabeth Winstead is so good because she gets, um, and she puts more into it than is probably in the screenplay for her. <laughs> but she is like really dealing with the fact that she's lost her boyfriend. She's lost her best friend. The only person. <laughs> yeah, but she starts
0: flirting with Kevin pretty fast. Just start flirty, flirty. Okay. I
1: know it's Yes. But that's also a way that people process grief when they've that's lost true. somebody like a significant other.
0: Unless they, unless prior to the, what's presented in the movie, they had a sort of relationship
1: they could that have.
0: was awakened because of this. But who knows?
1: Mm. I do like, like them. are like a latent attraction for each other.
0: Can I tell you my favorite part of that movie?
1: Yeah.
0: Is the match cut after Ashley and Ashlyn's death and <laughs> then to their cemetery. I'm just like, <laughs> genius. I love this.
1: Two tanning beds turn into two coffins.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Perfect.
1: Yeah. It is, like, interesting, like, at a time when Scream was big, and I Know What You Did Last Summer, and Urban Legend, and all these other movies that we mentioned, that we actually see characters attend each other's funerals in this mov- in these movies quite they, frequently.
0: They present that it's not like those other movies that you mentioned because time moves on.
1: Mm-hmm. And obviously,
0: death is playing the long game.
1: Right. And they you see... Them- to- to some extent you see the toll that surviving these disasters takes on somebody. These movies
0: are like an hour and a half long, but like right. <laughs> in the world of the movie, death is waiting. Right. Uh, speaking of the third one. Yeah. So three, four and five were all filmed differently.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Four and five were both filmed in 3d, which yes. is great watching it in 2d. Cause <laughs> you're like, why are, are we playing with perspective? Oh, that's right. right you were in 3D. But and it makes
1: everything look so much more cartoony. Yes. <laughs> especially
0: the It's Here in 4. Yeah. Uh, but 3 was filmed with the choose their own fake DVD option. Yeah. Where, we, I won't get into it because there's so many. But maybe mm. I'll make like a, a slideshow effect or something and put that up. Because I wrote down the descriptions, Sure as shit, I have the DVD and I played that game. (laughs) Was there anything that we didn't say that you want to mention? Either comparison, difference, or otherwise? I mean,
1: no, I just, I, watching all of these movies, especially one and five, and a little less so two and three, Not four, (laughs) Um, but I was struck by like those heavy themes um, dealing with grief and the not being able to control anything and not knowing when it's going to come for you. It really does add so much. It's part suspense. It's part emotional heft to these movies that you don't find in movies like these usually. Right.
0: And it it really does.
1: Yeah, it really does. Especially the first one. It really elevates it.
0: Again, that's why I'm so surprised that the Rotten Tomatoes, the Metacritic of the first movie, yeah, are so low. Like I, I, I said this earlier that it was ahead of its time, and I'm still going to agree with myself because I'm always right. <laughs> <crying. laughs> <laughs> but um, it feels like 2000s America was not ready for this movie originally. Mm. I'm happy it came out because then we get to we get to talk about it, and I'm glad that the idea happened
1: yeah i mean and like these movies are still effective every other day somebody starts a new twitter thread about like things I won't do anymore because i watched a certain movie and they'll put pictures of a truck with logs on it or they'll put
0: pictures of, <laughs> pictures <laughs> a, pictures of a right <laughs> a suspension
1: bridge a tanning bed acupuncture <laughs> uh going to the bathroom which that scene really is that did not scare me when I was younger. I don't know why, when I'm older, that scene affects me a lot more. Todd's scene? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, in the first movie. I don't know. Again, the suspension works so well. And the that's one where it really feels much more paranormal than any other scene, because you see the water slipping away.
0: That one, and... No, wait, Mrs. Luton, it makes sense, because in her cup, she had... Cold and then, or hot and then, put cold in.
1: Right, so it and the
0: cup cracked. Right, yeah, that was
1: other movies and other sequences. You see something move improbably, but not impossibly. Todd's death, you see the water move impossibly.
0: Yeah, I think that's the one where they were still trying to figure out. Yeah, what it was.
1: I mean, we were probably going to mention this later on anyway, but this was originally pitched as an X Files episode.
0: Well, why don't we get into special features, and uh, you, can, you can you uh, can expand more on that All right. in our segment called Special Features. Special <laughs> features. <laughs> so we're gonna do special features a little bit differently. I, we're still gonna talk about fun facts, but we didn't assign each other a movie, so we're we're just gonna spew some stuff. And Shady and I played rock, paper, scissors beforehand. Not really, but because I'm going to give this one to Shady because she can make it into a sexy segue. So Shady, why don't you have it? Continue on with that train of thought that you mentioned.
1: So I'm pulling this from uh, an an article that I found on Bloody Disgusting, which is a pretty solid website for horror movie news and related items. So I'm guessing it's pretty legit. Um, But, you know, as always, grain of salt, it it is the internet. (laughs) (laughs) So Jeffrey Reddick, who we've mentioned his name many times, talking about characters based on, (laughs) um, he was an X-Files writer. And he wrote, he pitched a script for an episode called Flight 180. Bloody Disgusting actually interviewed him. So these are quotes from him. It was really exciting to find it on an old floppy disk, Redick tells us. I typed it in word since we didn't have the luxury of final drafts back then. It's definitely fun to read, but I, over- I wrote it over 20 years ago, so I read some of it and cringed a little. I decided to use the basic concept of people cheating death as the cap- as the catalyst, not the capitalist. But when you write a spec script for a series, you want to follow the framework of the show and go deeper. So I had Scully's brother have the premonition, which made the story more personal. I won't spoil the rest, but for the spec script, the concept isn't front and center. It's more about Scully, Mulder, and her relationship with with her brother. But when I decided to write it as a feature, Final Destination, I made the story all about the concept and tweaked it. Reddit continues, I think fans will be most interested in seeing how the kernel of the concept started in 1994. Death worked differently in this version. Since Mulder and Scully had the believer-skeptic relationship, I had to keep death vague enough but clear enough to fit the concept and investigation of a one-hour show. But it's interesting to see how this kernel evolved into the original draft of Flight 180 in 1997, and finally, the finished version of the 2000 film Final Destination. So that comes from Jeffrey Reddick himself. I'm guessing it's true. (laughs) I'm gonna say that's a pretty solid source.
0: I want to piggyback off of you. Yeah, do it. Now, I got this off of Wikipedia. So giant grain of salt. Right. (laughs) How he got the idea for that, the spec script, and then that turned into what we know today, Mm. is that Jeffrey Reddick read a story about a woman who was on vacation and her mom called her and said, don't take the flight tomorrow. I have a really bad feeling about it. And the woman switched flights, and the plane that she was originally supposed to take crashed. Ugh. So I I couldn't find the source for that story, but if that's true, goddamn! <laughs> I just wanted I wanted to add to that because yeah, that that's it's really fascinating the process. Yeah, especially especially doing this podcast, I'm finding. I'm learning more about the pro. Like, I already kind of know the process, but I'm learning more about the process of filmmaking, and things like that, or story by or based on the blah blah blah. <laughs> it's very fascinating. Yeah. Um, do you have any other special features?
1: Um. So I don't know how well you pay attention to where the stories were all set. Uh, one, two, and five all New York. Uh-huh. At least New York State. I couldn't. I don't remember where Final Destination Three took place, and I didn't think to pay attention when I was actually rewatching it. Do they ever like give a hint?
0: I feel like the hint would be at the bison, uh, not the bicentennial, the fair at the end,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where Ian dies and the friend dies. Yeah, um, but they, or maybe even in the high school.
1: Right, but, but you, didn't, you didn't notice like anything that said it specifically in New York. No, I think that
0: one is supposed to be like America.
1: I'll take it. <laughs> um, all but the fourth one were uh, filmed in and around uh, Vancouver. <laughs> very, very typical Hollywood movies that are set in the United States and shot in Toronto or Vancouver because that, it's cheaper.
0: <laughs> that explains the subway then in the third one. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, wait, they do end up in New York in the third one. Well,
1: yeah, in like the the, the finale. Right.
0: But the whole movie, I don't know where it sets up. So New York is in the, oh. Except
1: for the fourth one takes place in Louisiana. And that's the only one that was shot uh, on location. It was shot in Louisiana.
0: When did they say that it takes place in Louisiana?
1: Uh, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I did not see anything in the movie. There may have been something in one of the news
0: uh, reports or something
1: but i'm reading off of the plot summary that says I w- set in louisiana
0: <laughs> i was too busy looking up the <laughs> the names of the victims right. rather than where they are
1: god damn it <laughs> do you have anything else you want to bring up
0: yes okay so there is a whole book series for these movies um there are novelizations of one two and three and then there's six books that i think are its own series Mm -hmm. and dear listener if you know where i can find (laughs) these books i really legit before recording this i was looking them up because i'm interested i really want to read them um all the books came out in about uh, within like a year of each other from 2005 to 2006 so i just want i don't want to read the novelizations i 'm fine with that. I want to read the final destination colon real title of the book here um, and then there's also comic books I should say there's two hmm. of them one's called Sacrifice and the other one's called spring Break um, I did find the I did find the books on Amazon, but they're like seventy five dollars each and I'll, or seventy five dollars oh. for the ones I could find and i'm Cheers. just like. Give me an e-reader. Why why can't I find you online? (laughs) And then I did find this. There's a sixth film in the works. Did you hear hear about this?
1: I did hear something. I wasn't sure if it was still happening, so I didn't want to say anything.
0: (laughs) Well, as of March 2020, so this year, series producer Craig Perry stated, we're toying with having it take place in the world of first responders, EMTs, firemen, and police. These people deal with death uh, on the front lines every day and make choices that can cause people to live or die. We rely on their good judgment, expertise, and calm demeanor. So why not put these people in nightmare situations where every choice can bring about life and death, but now for themselves? <laughs> We're thinking that might make an interesting wave into a Final Destination movie, and one which can also generate unique and Unique set pieces in a very, in a very credible way. I can English. <laughs> so if this is happening, sh- give me the the Kickstarter. Give me the whatever. I'll <laughs> throw you my money and make sure it happens because I would love to see yeah. that movie.
1: I would also love to see it. Um, probably not going to throw money at it because I don't have any.
0: Please don't <laughs> fail me. But. Um,
1: they like that concept because you could totally not, like, organically bring Bloodworth back in in a really bad, in a really big way.
0: And this one could be like the Uber prequel, right? Or the Uber sequel. It can set set wherever, whenever. Right.
1: It could be it could be a series of vignettes, some prequels, some sequels, whatever. Some interquels, if that's it, still a thing.
0: Or make it a ser- <gasps> Make it a Netflix series. Mm. where it's like a 20 minute episode
1: yeah maybe 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 hbo max
0: well make and, it a series right um, like, do the vin- your vignette idea oh my god shitty let's like pitch that it
1: Right. no i no i need more with bloodworth because i need to know more about who sends the premonitions why are Ooh. the why do the premonitions happen is it death and is it only so like are the premonitions a false flag And those people weren't ever supposed to die in the disaster in the first place. And death is making sure that they are in place for their actual planned deaths. What's up? Or is it like some sort of good force that's trying to battle death, but like always fails? What's going on?
0: I don't know if I'm going to like that. Because it sounds like if they make one tiny misstep, it'll be stupid and cheesy.
1: It'll be the fourth movie. (laughs) I don't don't need them to like flat out explain everything. I just want more hints. Like I I just want to know if the... I want hints as to whether the premonition is an opposing force to death or if it is death.
0: And hopefully Tony Todd's character will have an answer, you
1: think? Yeah, yeah. Also, is he an agent of death or just a neutral observer?
0: Well, that's why I feel like if they were to do a series... Yeah. So I like the idea of vignettes. Right. So, like, one episode could be, like, a police officer. And then another episode could be E&T. And, like, it'll be interesting if they can somehow interconnect them by the end of the series.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but if Tony Todd is, like, the Rosario Dawson in the Marvel <laughs> Netflix series. Yeah. If that's his role, fine, I'll take it.
1: I mean, I also just wanna to see Tony Todd on my screen more often and I can't oh, wait for the new, I can't wait for the new Candyman, but I need more than just Candyman from him. <laughs> <laughs> like I wanna see him all the time. He's such an amazing presence.
0: So we need to contact Craig Perry. Okay. Uh you have him in your phone, right?
1: Yeah, I'm texting him right now.
0: Awesome. Great. <laughs> um we're gonna pitch him our ideas and then Great. we'll 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 report back to you dear listener but um that's really it yeah the, the other facts you could go to imdb trivia there's some pretty good ones on there but none of yeah, that
1: i don't want to get in a hole with this you right
0: because then we'll be asking more questions and this this episode's already one of our longer ones
1: <laughs> yeah i mean fun fact uh my future husband is the final boy in the first one and my future wife is the final girl in the third one that's fun
0: yay (laughs) fun fact ashley tista auditioned for roles in three four and five but we don't know what hooray
1: oh okay i do i did know that she auditioned for four i did not know that she auditioned for three or five she auditioned for nadia in four the one who dies right away
0: the character had a name
1: yeah (laughs) the 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 motorhead's girlfriend
0: mechanic's girlfriend mechanic's girlfriend her name was never mentioned
1: her name was Nadia. It's mentioned in on T V tropes at least. Unless T V tropes just made Fuck. Uh-huh. And yeah, and she, you know, drops an epic F bomb and dies right away. And Ashley Tisdale auditioned to be her, which would have been fucking hilarious.
0: And I wonder who she was in five. Maybe Candace? No. Okay. No. No, Olivia?
1: I could see her as Olivia. I could Not, see her.
0: Um Molly.
1: I could see her as either one, but I could see her wanting to be Olivia because that's a little against her Disney channel image.
0: Mm, mm -hmm.
1: Like Molly's a little, she's already Disney channel, but stuck in an R rated movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, that was fun. fun. Um, We have some final thoughts to go through. Yeah. Uh, We're going
1: to adjust them for this. (laughs) Oh yeah.
0: We have now four questions to ask. So we're gonna go right now. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Yes. Did you like the franchise? No, I'm the one that suggested this. Right. So blame me if you hated it.
1: No, no, no. Overall, I like the franchise. The only two with any hint of hope are the first two, and then the others just dashed those away anyway. So it is like
0: five, right?
1: uh five just brings about the inevitability of everything oh
0: sorry you meant the characters i thought you meant as a movie
1: no no like as a movie um the only ones that give you hope that somebody may have survived are one and two and then those get killed off off screen or on screen anyway um and i think five be you know as brilliant as that twist is it also makes it so much more bleak uh so it is a very bleak franchise um
0: Yeah, don't go expecting (laughs) smiles and roses at the end.
1: Right, it's not going to make you feel great, um, but if you can accept that that's happening, it is, I think, a really interesting take on a well-worn formula.
0: Uh, I loved this franchise. Um, Okay, this is a new question that we're going to (laughs) ask. What's your ranking order?
1: (gasps) Oh, this is an easy one because there's only five. I'm just like looking forward to other franchises we may or may not do that have many more than this. And I'm like, oh, that's a lot. But for this one. Baby
0: steps. We have to, (laughs) we're going to crawl before we can walk. So this is our crawling.
1: My ranking for Final Destination. One, five, two, three, four. I had the same one. Great. Yeah. I mean, it's the order of release, except that five sneaks in at the number two spot.
0: I mean, I feel like five is just like a scotch above two.
1: Yes. I agree. So
0: if you switch it to be one, two, five, three, four, fine. I'm okay with you. If you put three or four before five and two, we're not talking.
1: The only reason to put three higher than the four spot is because you love Mary. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, and the tanny bed scene.
1: Yeah. That, they, one,
0: saved, that one saves it.
1: <laughs> those are two extremely strong elements.
0: Um, Would we watch the, would you watch the franchise again?
1: I totally would. Even the fourth one.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'd watch it in a day, but like, I would watch these movies again.
1: Yeah. I would do maybe two at a time. Not more than that.
0: Three if you're going to space it out right.
1: Okay. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I'd watch them all again. Even the fourth one has that great performance by michael t williams and and it is on its own separate level from the other ones it's entertaining in a different way yeah
0: and then finally are these movies actually the same um yeah yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) the 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 tone shifts slightly in each of them and then wildly when it comes to three and four
0: (laughs) right uh, but
1: other but, than that, it's the exact same premise. You watch one, you know what the other four are.
0: It's just how are we going to kill these people now? That's right. the that's the question that they ask. Not <laughs> how we're going to differentiate them. How we're going to kill them?
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> um, if you agree with us, or if you know how I can find the fucking novels on yeah. ebooks, you can tweet me i'm on Twitter at movies john and that's john with no h yeah uh,
1: um if you happen to be mew or devin sawa um you can you can tweet me at cookie Oshady shady c-o-o-k-i-e-o-s-h-a-d-y
0: or if you know how to find the books tag her and i'll find <laughs> and she'll tell me <laughs> you can email us uh you know if you have any Points that you want to mention, or if you want to talk about why you think three is better than five, good, good luck. Uh, you can <laughs> email us at Movie Deja Vu Pod. I'm still going to spell it. I know we're so many episodes in. That is M O V I E D E J A V U P O D at gmail.com. We're on insta at Movie Deja Vu Pod. Same spelling. Hit and us on, on
1: the gram. And
0: you can tweet us at movie deja vu because continuity right uh if you also that one
1: is like they're all final destination except the fourth one is the final destination
0: because it's the last one technically
1: chronologically chronologically, yes
0: (laughs) jinx you owe me a soda over zoom (laughs)
1: <laughs> I feel like that's gonna turn into a final destination scene real fast if we ah, that
0: <laughs> or unfriended ooh that's a different franchise oh no <laughs> if you have any suggestions as well please feel free to reach out to us we're open and next week we're doing another sequel remake of Mary Poppins and Mary Poppins Returns thanks everyone for listening
1: thank you bye, bye. I'll see you soon if you want me